Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Now, just a week or two ago, it must have been, uh, we did a podcast on the first-time homebuyer. This week, we find ourselves taking a different view, especially with regard to financing a home. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and uh, very fortunate to have with me as my guest today, Timothy Hughes. Now, for those of you who listen on a regular basis, you may recognize that uh, Tim is, of course, a partner at Lavelle Law, and he's spoken with me and you in the past on a number of issues, such as taxes and bankruptcies. Today, we turn our attention to home equity lines of credit. Uh, we're going to kind of focus on what happens when those come due. So it uh, kind of takes a look at a new and distinct topic here. So I think it's going to be very interesting. So first of all, uh, Tim, nice to be chatting with you again. Good to have you back. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys uh, to talk about new topics. And this one is new. We haven't we haven't ventured into this area before. So So start us off. Tell us you know, from a uh, financial basic perspective, what is a home equity line of credit? Okay, well, a home equity line of credit, uh, abbreviated as HELOC, and if I say HELOC in the next 15 minutes or so, it's regarding that. And it's a line of, cre- line of credit that is collateralized by the borrower's home, typically, and um, during the life of that HELOC, they usually just have to make interest payments. And then at the term of the note that uh, got the HELOC, they have to pay off the balance. And uh, why I mentioned that this might be a good topic is that a lot of people who obtained HELOCs in 05 and 06 and a little bit of 07 may have gotten a large loan out because the value of their house at that time had a lot of equity and they were going to do home improvements. And as you know, the next couple of years, that uh, value in the house uh, plummeted. And now they're looking at, hey, I've got a 30000 or 40 or 50 or higher, or it could be less than 30 an insurmountable amount that's coming due in one or two years. And yeah. um, and just wanted to talk to you about some possibilities of how they can address that with a uh, depressed market value. Okay, yeah, and that's uh, certainly the the angle we need to take at this and, and kind of talk about it. And I, I just want to go back to that definition on the HELOC, um, uh, the way you described it. It, it. Just to be clear, though, as an instrument, it is different than a traditional mortgage or even a home equity loan. This is a sort of a, a distinct type of financing. Is that right? Well, it is a home equity loan. Uh, the the second mortgage or third or fourth mortgage are notes taken out, collateralized again by the homeowner's house. And in a mortgage, typically, they're making payments on principal and interest. Uh, of course, some creative uh, mortgages have interest only for a time period, so that's why kind of lumping the uh, second mortgages 
and use the plural there because, again, a third or a fourth can be under the category of second because it's after the primary mortgage. And a HELOC, you know, can be paid down with the principal can be paid down at any time, but a lot of times people will just pay the interest and say, okay, towards the end of the line of credit, that end of the term, I'll refi because we always know that home values go up and uh, I'll have plenty of value and the bank will be glad to refi. And, and Tim, you, you frequently host seminars and, and meetings for the general public. Um, you focus on, on taxes and, and uh, uh, bankruptcies and different strategies uh, that, that you've been able to, uh, to provide information to the public on. You mentioned a few minutes ago people who, as you just said, pay interest and then have a, a big lump sum due. You know, coming out of this economic experience that we've been through the last uh, five, six, seven years, uh, whatever it's been now since it dropped and started to come back, can, can you tell me about some of the situations you've seen recently and, and what sort of situations people find themselves in with regard to these HELOCs? Sure. Uh, had a couple recently that owed about 40000 on a HELOC, and they'd been just paying the interest because times were tough uh, because of the Great Recession. Um, their income wasn't going up, and some expenses were. And they were saying that in about a year, year and a half, they had to address the HELOC coming due, and they had no idea on how they were going to come up with 40000 and we looked at the value of the house, and it had dropped below the balance on the first mortgage. So approaching a bank to refi just seemed like it would be an exercise in futility because no bank is going to want to extend credit when there's no collateral there. So we looked at some other financial situations that they were going through and determined that a bankruptcy at Chapter 13 would allow them to strip off that second mortgage, and a HELOC is essentially a second mortgage. It's a second lien on their house, and they could have some other uh, their medical bills included, and they would actually be able in a five-year plan to uh, pay essentially about the same amount they were paying on the HELOC but at the conclusion of their Chapter 13 plan, they will have zero balance on the HELOC because the balance will be discharged in their Chapter 13. So that was a way for them to, quote-unquote, refinance or address that uh, looming uh, uh, deadline in about a year. And, and I want to talk about Chapter 13 in just a minute here, a couple of questions we can follow up on there. If if that instance comes up, the one you described, and obviously people, you know, I assume in most cases want to stay in their home, if they are facing this uh, large payoff at the end of a HELOC, is is selling the property an option, or would they sort of be tied and, and not be able to do that? Well, it would be a what's called a short sale because in that last example, the first mortgage balance was greater than the value of the house, and that is just the value of the house. Once, as you know, in selling a house, there's transaction costs, the realtor and title and other expenses, giving a credit for the property taxes that are paid a year late, and all those credits lower the proceeds that the buyer will, or I'm sorry, that the seller will have 
to pay off the first mortgage, pay off any second, and uh, because of that, uh, you know, selling the property would be a way to avoid bankruptcy, but it would require getting the cooperation of the first and second mortgage holders and runs the risk of possibly having some 1099 income for any write-off of uh, mortgage value, depending upon when the sale were to occur. A lot, a lot of things to think about there. And the information we're getting today is coming from uh, Timothy Hughes. Uh, Tim is a partner at Lavelle Law. He's been with us before and uh, always provides a great deal of insight. And as I mentioned, he uh, he's uh, certainly been known to host uh, seminars and other meetings, uh, as well as always taking uh, consultations with prospective clients. So if you, if you want to find out more about Tim and the practice, you can find that at lavellelaw.com and uh, easy phone call at 847-705-7555 to uh, reach any of the folks at Lavelle Law. And they will always make sure you talk to an attorney on the first call. So uh, if you've got questions on any of these topics, uh, I certainly recommend that you just pick up the phone and, and give them a call or at least check out the website and get some information there. Now, Tim, you mentioned earlier Chapter 13, and, and that's you know, a, a bankruptcy method that we have uh, covered on previous podcasts, but there are different um, strategies and different uh, tactics, uh, different types of bankruptcy. So can you give us a quick refresher on what a Chapter 13 is so we can kind of dig into that a little bit more? Sure. Uh, for individuals, there's typically a 7 and a 13, and a 7 most people try to fit into because it's quicker, cheaper, simpler, and easier. Uh, quicker meaning from start to finish about four months, cheaper meaning there's no payments to a trustee. However, in a 13, you have some ability to save the house, meaning if the house were in foreclosure, you can stop that foreclosure lawsuit and the arrears that you were in, in that foreclosure, you can propose a plan up to five years to cure that 10, 15, 20-month uh, uh, mortgage default that you have. And um, in a 13, unlike a Chapter 7, you can strip off that HELOC or second mortgage, which uh, in the example I gave to you, uh, allowed, a pers- or allowed a couple to their house of a uh, number of years because they weren't able to be able to refi or they didn't want to sell the house and uh, address the shortfall that they had in between the value of the house and what was owed on it. So it sounds like there's some, some upside potentially there. Obviously, it, it's not a good situation to be in, but as an option, Chapter 13 does provide some benefit to the homeowner. Any particular downside to them, things they have to be careful of before they jump into that? Well, I've a lot of time with people and to make the plan work it's got to be economically feasible and after determining that yes it can work then have the tough question of well are you committed to a five-year plan if there's a concern of either spouse uh, getting a job outside the outside of Illinois or outside the county where they're living you know, are they going to have to move in two, three, four years? Are kids close to leaving the nest, in which case maybe they're not tied to the school district as much as they thought? And you don't want to plow forward in a 13 to let it collapse uh, midway or if because the benefit of stripping off that second mortgage 
only occurs at the completion of the plan, which would be you know possibly five years down the road. It could be shorter depending if that's the plan that's approved, but usually people need as much uh, time to make those payments as possible. So a five is more typical than a 36-month plan. And you mentioned the word approved there. Any bankruptcy plan has to be approved by the courts. It's not something that the uh, homeowner or debtor can just sort of unilaterally create on their own. Very true, very true, yes. Um, The homeowner submits a plan, and that plan has to pass – creditor approval and uh, trustee approval, and most importantly, a Chapter 13 judge has to okay it. Now, you mentioned the the creditor there. We've talked about options, including stripping off that that HELOC, and I'm sure you work on a number of different situations where you try and find remedies for these folks. Does the person holding that note have any say? I mean, can they offer other solutions? Can they reject plans? What's their role in all of this? They can object. They could say, hey, our our lien shouldn't be stripped off because there is equity there. And they can maybe hire an appraiser that would say the value of the homeowner's house is a lot higher than what we thought it was. Of course, we never file a case without doing our homework and having some documentation to support our belief on what the value is. And, you know, but a bank may say, hey, we don't want to get um, 90000 written off on a 100000 HELOC. Let's find somebody out there, and then in which case then our appraiser goes against the bank's appraiser and the judge makes a decision. And just with a little time we've got left here, if someone pursues this course of action, uh, you mentioned someone who had a HELOC coming due in a year or so. If you see trouble brewing, is is a year out or so a good time to get started or even sooner? I assume this takes some time to get everything in place. It it can be done relatively quick in a couple of weeks, but uh, the more planning you have, I think, the better, and the more information you have, the better decision you can make. So always better to kind of get do your homework a little bit early to find out which is the right course. Well, getting information, sharing information is really what we're all about here, and I want to thank Tim Hughes for taking the time to join me today. Uh, another great podcast and great conversation with him. Again, uh, Lavelle Law is available to you via phone at 847-705-7555 or uh, lavellelaw.com. And we're back here every week with new podcasts, and all of our past conversations can be found on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, or at, as I mentioned, lavellelaw.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope you uh, go back, take a listen to some others, and we will be back with new content next week. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 